GodzillaMedia.com. Alive, surging up from the depths of the sea on a tidal wave of terror to wreak vengeance on mankind. Raging through the streets on a rampage of total destruction. The GameZilla Podcast. Is this the end of our civilization? Prepare for gaming domination. The mightiest monster of them all. Grimlock, the Dino Nine, and Jazzy Fiddle. GameZilla. Welcome to the GameZilla Podcast, your last line of defense in major gaming news. I'm your host, Grimlock, and with me in the GameZilla Media Studio, the face of Switch, Testonomics. I'm here. And our producer, the Deadite Knight. The ass of Switch. Man, that's not me. No, that's me. I'm you're the face of me. <laughs> I like that. That's funny. Can, we, that's can funny. we get like a cat dog type character yeah, made of you two? Yeah. Ooh, a human well, switchipede. Well, yes. Yeah, well I had us I had us thought of as like, you know, like those old timey vaudevillian horse costumes mm, mm, yeah. where he's the top half and I'm the bottom half. Okay. I and, I, get, and I'd be blue and you'd be you'd be neon pink. We'd be like the Joy-Con. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I could be into that. Alright, well, let's uh let's cover something here. Real quick, we had our intro. It does still say Jazzy Fiddle, but we want to just clarify some information. Jazzy Fiddle has stepped away from the podcast. Uh, you will still see him in the community if you're part of the Discord and everything, but he has had some life events that is making him a very busy person. And um, we just wanted to simply say thanks for his commitment, commitment for everything that he's done for GameZilla Media. Um, you know, we wish him the best, and he will no longer be on this podcast for the foreseeable future. But don't forget, you can still see him in role as Tilly and the Noobs and Dragons, in the Noobs and Dragons podcast. So you can uh, head on over there if you need your fix of jazzy fiddle. Tilly is still running amok in Noobs and Dragons. That's right. But uh, anyways, let's roll right into it. Welcome to episode 245 of the Games of the Podcast. Brought to you by our supporters over on Patreon. Patreon.com slash GameZilla Media is where you can go to support us. We have multiple different tiers that give you access to perks such as early access to our show, the GameZilla Podcast. You can get voting on a news topic for this show and help influence other shows. And you get exclusive content from across all of GameZilla Media. So head on over there. Patreon.com slash GameZilla Media. Your support can start for as little as $1 a month. Okay. On today's episode of the Games of the Podcast, we're going to be talking about PS5 backwards compatibility. Mm. We're going to be covering Nintendo Switch online subscriber counts Get revealed and Xbox Live making some of the biggest moves I've ever seen. Huge moves. All this and more on episode 245 of the Games of the Podcast. Yeah. We're here. We're the Games of the Podcast. So, uh, another thing I want to get into real quick is we're going to be making some cool changes to the show here over the next few weeks. So we're really excited about everything that's happening here in the GameZilla podcast. And one thing that we're doing is we're getting straight down to business. There's no more clowning around. No more? Well, there's clowning around. Oh, thank God. But we're, we're about the business now. The business. Because it's time for the news right away. I'm searching the web for the latest gaming news. Searching GameZillaMedia.com. Downloading headlines. What about this monster story of yours? Download. Topic number one. 
a new Sony patent has fans hoping that the PS5 has backwards compatibility. So, let's just go through some bullet points and then talk about our hopes, our fears, and and if Sony can actually pull this off. But uh, patent was published January 31st of this year. So, I mean, this was a brand. This isn't something that we dug up and, and they've had it locked down for a couple of years. This just happened. Um, it lists that the PS4 um, lead architect and Sony Europe's principal programmer, Simon Pilgrim. And basically, it's listing him as developing optimized cross-platform maths, animation, and geometry libraries for the PS3, PlayStation Vita, and PS4 platforms. Um, the This is exciting news, obviously, because we didn't have any of this for the PlayStation 4, where the Xbox One... Had it didn't re- didn't write out the gate, but over time they figured out how to build these emulators to allow Xbox 360 original Xbox to basically get to that point where yes, you can't play every Xbox game on an Xbox One, but you can play most of the ones that you know or that mo- that most people are familiar with. So this is a huge move for Sony that I think has been they've needed for a long time. But uh, let's just go around the room here. There's PS5 has backwards compatibility. What does it mean to you, Deadite? Well, I think I think Sony learned in a very harsh world and a failed move over the fall that there's not value in them re-releasing some of their content with the failure of the PlayStation Classic. So I think uh, them just understanding that backwards compatibility adds more value to the platform they're currently trying to sell than selling nostalgia on an old platform. So I think that that may have been part of the motivation to do this, and it's a big move for the fan base. It's something I've always, not always, that's not right to say, that's something I've respected about Microsoft immensely over the last three or four years since they've started rolling out the backwards compatibility it's made me go man if i had an xbox i'd be really really excited about that being that i own a bunch of original xbox games i never had a 360 but just the fact that you're going to be able to play those on your current system you want to play on makes a big difference it adds value so i think sony going down that route opposed to trying to do a playstation 2 classic or you know moving into that route where they won't be successful. I think it's the smart move and it's the right thing to do for their fans. Yeah, I think this is something too where I own a ton of PS1 games and I um, I don't play them ever. They just sit on my shelf and every once in a while I look at them and I go, man, Mega Man Legends, do I want to fire that up? Lunar, do I want to fire that up? And I just don't because I just it, it hasn't that platform to hook a PS one up and, and, and it's like, okay, or I can get the PS two slim and then it starts to fall apart. Right? Like I have to go back generations to be able to play that disc where an old Xbox game, I just throw it in my Xbox one and I go. So this idea definitely brings, especially if they do it in that same way where I could put an old, and I don't think they will, but if I could put an old PS1 disc in my new PS5 and it could scan it and then download the file for me, like that'd be great. But at the same time, if you're going to go the other route where I have to rebuy everything, I'm still semi-okay with this where I, I would rebuy certain things just because I could actually play them on a current device, on a current controller, 
that you know and and thankfully on that system that I don't have to worry about converting AV and you know signal into my into my TV that really doesn't want to support it anymore but um yeah I think this is overdue and I if they do it right they can make a lot of money here and they could please a lot of their fans test you got anything on this so I just hope that you know as a as a solo owner of a Nintendo Switch, right? I don't have an Xbox. I don't have a PlayStation. You know, so the idea of a hardware backwards compatibility, right? Being able to literally just launch PlayStation 1, 2, 3, 4 discs, that means nothing to me because, you know, Nintendo, they've only had two systems that have even used the same medium, right? The Switch uses cartridges. The Wii and Wii U used full-size discs. You got the mini discs on the GameCube, and then it goes back into generations of unique cartridges. So hardware backwards compatibility I can see where that'd be super valuable. I want software backwards compatibility as in like you buy something from the PSN store that you bought on PlayStation 3 or 4, you can download it again on the 5. You know, I want to believe in my mind that by the time that something comes out to replace the Switch, not just an upgraded version, but something comes out to replace the Switch, there's actually some competition in the realm of, oh yeah, but all the games digitally purchased for PS4 worked on PS5. So Nintendo, you've got, you know, new Switch coming out or new whatever coming out, like, are you going to make sure all of your Nintendo Switch electronic purchases will fire on that system? I, I hope that's where they're heading. You know, I, I think the easy way out is just to make the disc readable, right, you know, and have some sort of an emulating software on the uh, PlayStation 5 itself, but I hope it, it gets a real strong digital push as well so it actually impacts me. Yeah, I think it's going to be more digital. I think it'll be digital. I just the problem with PlayStation discs are the the uniqueness of the uh, I forgot what the what type of disc they were, but that black that black disc that it, like to me um, the format of these discs throughout generations from Blu-ray back to DVD and then whatever a PS One disc was considered. I don't I don't know. If it's just a standard disc with a black coating, or if it actually is unique, it was something I knew about for a while. Yeah, and I almost want to say it was. People always thought it was about anti-piracy. I think it was more an aesthetic thing. Yeah, I think it still was a CD, and they just it was an aesthetic choice to make the disc stand out. I believe you are right. I maybe we'll have someone check our facts on that one, but uh, but anyways. I'm not as worried about pulling, like, yes, would it be cool to pull a disc off and actually throw it in the system? Sure, but I'm not worried about that. What I am worried about is having a very healthy, eco, like, a universal Sony store that, yes, you can just pull anything down uh, to the PS5. Problems being is you're still going to run into some of those issues like you did with uh, PlayStation TV where you're going to be able to play Vita games on the PlayStation TV. Well, the inputs on the Vita are... <laughs> you. When you say that, can you at least do air quotes? Because you can't play anything on the PlayStation <laughs> right. TV. And a lot of them are because of the inputs on the Vita were unique to the Vita, and you can't replicate it on on a you know PS4 right now, or sorry, a PlayStation TV. And probably the same issue you're going to have over on the PlayStation 5, where only certain games are going to make its way over. But when you think of PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, anything should play. You know, uh, on the PS5 because it's just a a lesser DualShock controller, or even before that type deal. So, um, you know, the button inputs are there. So, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Now the pricing has to be right. You know, I don't want to be paying twenty dollars for a PS1 game that you know should probably like. I like so. I always liked Nintendo when it was like, hey, 
you can buy Mario 3 for four bucks, right? Like it's $3.99, and then you get the Super Nintendo, and it was a few dollars more, you know, and I'm okay with that. Like that's what I would hope. Hopefully Sony learns and they've learned from some of their mistakes they've made like the classic and they realize, yes, there's value to their classics, but maybe not as much value as they think they had. So I think I think one big unknown moving into the next generation when we look at backwards compatibility is the this current generation of software is so server dependent. Yeah. What's that going to mean for people that produce these games? What's it going to mean for backwards compatibility when it comes to there? There's so many games that need a server just to play. Yeah, that's interesting to think about for sure, because we talk about backwards compatibility. We're talking about games that didn't even have online functionality, you know, so and now we live in a world where the game lives online. That is the game. So, you know, Destiny 2, your disc is nothing. It's just a key to get into Bungie's server. So, you know, like it to me, that's a great in a couple generations here. How much of these games that we've invested so much time and money on will be completely dead, and and your your physical hardware or your digital downloads are useless at that point? It's a good point. That's I think that's one concern a lot of people are having with the way things are going right now. I mean, you always have your your platformers and your story-driven games that are living on the disc but well i I still that's why i still buy you know cartridges and discs like i'm a doomsday prepper (laughs) like i'm i got it like bunkered down in my basement i know i'm gonna come to my games i need them for the apocalypse that has a replicator too so like he buys the official (laughs) mario game and then he flashes it onto like repo carts just in case absolutely I, i am the guy that when I found out the entire series of Street Sharks was on DVD, I bought <laughs> one to watch and one to remain sealed just in case something bad ever happened to my one. So I'm that person that will will do ridiculous things like that to preserve yeah, my... Yeah, but you're the one that thing. taught me about shelf life of discs, and even inside of a sealed box, they're doomed. That's true. There, There's a corrosive aspect to the, the aluminum base of the disc. You get like a nick in the disc, the, cor- the corrosion can happen, and then we're all jerked. <laughs> no more, No more Street Sharks. All right. But it's sealed. It's like sealed <laughs> in the cellophane. We're yeah, good. Yeah, but we don't know the quality inside the cellophane when it was already nicked. Oh, man. You know it's a Street Sharks <laughs> disc, so it's got to be the cheapest discs you can buy. <laughs> I've opened up your copy of Street Sharks, scratched it, and resealed it. Yeah. You, sir, are not my friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, have fun playing Street Sharks with, with no friends and no game. So. Written you off. We will never eat a meal of Mexican food together again. We'll see. All right. Not if you damage my street sharks, you son of a bitch. (laughs) You guys can have this argument on the side here. We got to move on to topic number two. Fine. Topic number two is... (laughs) I'll kill you. (laughs) I'm already dead. Nintendo Switch Online surpasses 8 million subscribers. Test. What the hell does this mean? It means that Nintendo Switch Online has surpassed 8 million subscribers. What? So for those of you that are new here, uh, Nintendo Switch Online launched its paid version just back this past September of 2018, and since then, not including free trials or anything, they've got 8 million paid subscribers on the platform, rather that be uh, the monthly or the annual purchase. Uh, Nintendo also came out and said that they've sold 32 million Switches so far since launch. Just a couple. So while 8 million sounds impressive, that's only about a 25% adoption rate on their on their online service. 
Um, most of it, they're giving a lot of credence to the fact that, you know, this little game called Super Smash Brothers Ultimate came out December 7th of 2018 and has already sold 12 million copies. 12 million. I mean, it's the third best selling Switch game of all time, and it came out less than uh, two months ago. So, um, obviously, that's a big game for people to get online. Um, that drove a ton of people to the online service because up till then, you know, you could play Splatoon or you could play Mario Kart, but there wasn't like that big banger that there is with Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. So, uh, Nintendo says that they're working to continuously sp- expand the service offerings. There's a lot of rumors that have been found in, in you know, in diving through the code that there's Super Nintendo games on the horizon coming to their, you know, um, subscription-based, uh, you know, Netflix style of uh, of classic games. Um, but it, it seems like a pretty. I mean, Nintendo Online doesn't really offer a ton of stuff compared to, you know, what you get with Xbox Live or, or, or PlayStation Plus, but I think this is it offers enough at that $20 price tag to get people say okay this is worth spending 20 bucks for, you know, for the year. So, I want to know where my special offers are. They said there'd be special offers. They did. You'll get them eventually. They even glanced over whenever online. They're like you get the the voice chat app, you get classic games, you get online play, and then there's also special offers coming soon. Like, wait a minute, no, no, no. We know that that was a thing. I want to say there was like a question mark box from Mario. Like, someone needs to punch that box from the bottom because I want to see what my special offers are. So a 25 percent um, adoption rate does it like. <laughs> It's actually not terrible when you consider we we talked not long ago about PlayStation's uh, adoption rate of the of PlayStation Network. I don't think it was crazy, you know, crazy much like much higher than that. I think it was maybe thirty thirty five percent. You're telling me that thirty percent of people that have a PlayStation only have, don't have oh that's all that have PlayStation Plus. Maybe it was closer to fifty percent, but it wasn't over fifty percent. That's wild to me. Like, there, if there's 100 million PlayStation 4s r- currently right now, PlayStation Network is sitting at 50,000 or 50 million at best. Well, since December 2018, the number of subscribers was 36.3 million. Wow. Yeah, see? That's what I mean is that, like, this sounds off, but really, percentage-wise, it's not. And you got to think that's just counting PlayStation Plus subscribers. I mean, someone could, God willing, they could have just a Vita and a PlayStation Plus to get their free game every month, you know? True. Man, it's making, if all those people can go without it, it's making me think I can go without it. You probably can. Go for it, man. I don't game online anywhere anymore anyway. And then for Xbox... Ooh. Oh, I got to play Rocket League. says, monthly active online users, 64 million for Xbox Live. Oh, I guess that would make sense between people that still just hold on to the 360. Mm-hmm. So it's hard because, you know, these two these two companies don't have a system-specific online service. You know, Nintendo may not in the future either, but considering this is the first time they're trying out paid, you only have the one, you know. Yeah, so I think I think it's a good start for them. I mean, obviously the price point is is different than the other guys, right? It's a lot cheaper. So when you sit in there and talk about value, you can't you can't I can't judge them the same. I cannot put uh, Nintendo online at the same level of as Xbox Live or PlayStation Network. But I'd say they started off well, and now if the rumors are true about the SNES edition, which we talked about in previous shows, um, you know that that's the stuff they need to do to continue building upon this. As long as they don't 
as long as you don't start all of a sudden like next year, it's like, well, you spent twenty dollars last year. Now it's forty dollars, and then all now it's sixty dollars, and you know, and then all of a sudden, then you have to then you start comparing this and saying, okay, am am I getting the value out of this that I'm getting out of these other places? When the, the honestly the the least the thing I care about the least when it comes to Nintendo Online is the online multiplayer f- function. Because like I, I haven't even tried uh, Smash Brothers online, but anything else I've tried online, I've ran into performance issues to some extent. And I'm not saying not playable, but run into some issues. And so I just look at it it's like I paid for it because I was interested in the NES games and... Cloud saves. And cloud saves. I, those, those would probably be the, the two things that I definitely would would reference. And if SNES was something... That is coming. That would be that would quickly become my number one reason to have it, to keep it. I should say. Anything on this, Deadite? Nah, you guys got it covered. You wanna you wanna wrap it up, uh, Tess? Or are you, are you good? I mean, I think it's just you know we're off to a great start with twenty five percent. You know, it's only been out for six months, less than six months. Yeah. Um. So it's just it, the you know the cards are in Nintendo's hand to see what are you gonna do to. You know, you're no longer going to be converting people that already have switches. You're going to be, or you know, you're not going to be getting people coming into it brand new. You now have to convert people that said no the first time because there's yeah. 75% of your users that looked at it and said, I don't need this. Well, I think, yeah, so the, the two things, keep adding value to it, which seems like they're doing, and then how, and then market it better, I think. Like, I think 75% didn't say no. There's a good chunk of it that don't know what it is. I don't play online. I don't need this. Well, you, yeah. that's that's just part of your benefit, you know. Do, I, you, do you travel with it? You probably want cloud saves. Have you ever played Mario? You I honestly believe Mario. too is that Nintendo is a they do something great that no one else does is that they they sell video game systems to no offense to some people to non gamers, right? They sell entertainment to people, and those people don't know what Nintendo Online is. And I've talked to some of those people where I've even offered, um, I've offered, I have a family plan. I don't use nearly all the all the slots. I've offered to put their switch onto my family plan uh, because they're Jade's relatives or something like that. And they look at me like, "What is? Why do I need that?" And I was like, "Well, it, you get free games. Like you like old Nintendo games, right?" They're like, "Yeah, well, you get free games every month just by being part of it." And then they, they look at me and they're like, "Well, why do I need that?" Like, because you can't do that any other way. Like, and so to me, it, it, it's just, it's an opportunity for Nintendo if they can simplify it and, and get it out there to appeal to those type of um, whatever casual gamers, then they can get their percentages up higher. Nintendo should be throwing in two or three free months when you sign up for the Switch so you get you get the, the taste of that stuff. Yeah, that's true. And, yeah. yeah. You, do, when do you get two weeks? A week? Well, maybe it's <laughs> like a week now. They should throw in at least a month. Yeah, get on it, Nintendo. All right. Sliding over to topic number three, our Patreon news pick of the week. Yeah, patrons! If you are (laughs) part of (laughs) Patreon.com, you can help us pick a news topic every week where you get to vote on a couple topics. This week's winner happened today. This was uh, kind of exciting for me. I, I got I got pretty pumped up about this one. But Respawn is one of my uh, one of my favorite developers for first person shooters. If you're not familiar with Respawn, they are part they or they created Titanfall. 
Titanfall 1, which was a lot of fun, but people didn't, you know, didn't dive into it as heavy as people thought because of the lack of story and all that. But then they followed up with Titanfall 2, which was just the same great multiplayer, but a great story as well. And now, as they're working on their Star Wars project, because they're working on the Jedi Fallen Order project, they come out of nowhere and basically release a game called Apex Legends. Now, I didn't misspeak. Like, they announced it today and released it today. It is live right now. So if you want to try this when we're done talking, you literally boot up your PS4, your Xbox, or your PC, and you go download the game for free. Wait, is, how many dollars? Uh, free. Free dollars. Oh, I didn't have the button right. Let's try it again. Wait, how much? Free. Zero of those sounds. You don't need any coins. <laughs> Just like the first time yeah. you did it. <laughs> okay, so what is this game? What is Apex Legends? It takes place inside the Titanfall universe. But before you get excited about mechs, you're not going to get the mechs. It's just inside that Titanfall universe. It is a battle royale game that is set to a 60-person limit and three-man squads, which means you're getting 20 squads per full match. Um, the idea here is teamwork. Um, you were seeing a lot of people compare it to, say, Overwatch meets Rainbow Six, or or even throw in a little bit of Call of Duty Black Ops, and you're getting this this style of a game. But if you've ever played a Titanfall game, you're also getting that little sci-fi feel of wall running, crazy sliding uh, weapons that are a little bit beyond uh, what would be considered normal or just regular standard weapons. And you're getting this this nice mashup of a game that has a very smooth engine that's been developed across two games already over multiple years. Very and respawn a company that's famous for first person shooters, and then you're mixing in this battle royale teamwork um, aspect of it. And so, some other unique things about this game is there are going to there's six classes right now that you're going to be able to pick from uh, that are free at launch. And each class will have unique abilities. You'll have a, um, you know, a, what, a cooldown normal style ability, and then you'll have a super. And that's, this is kind of interesting because even like in Call of Duty, if I play multiplayer, I have supers that charge up and I can do cool things. You don't get that in Blackout. That those are gone. So this is that first time around where you go, oh, cool. That, that's kind of interesting to see what that's going to be like in a battle royale. Um, and then they've added two more characters that you can um, unlock by playing the game or you can purchase them with real currency. So there are microtransactions. There are loot boxes. The game's free. They have to somehow generate revenue. Um, but it seems like they're doing it in a better business pattern. And, and so let's throw this out here. Respawn is owned by Electronic Arts. <gasps> the uh, devil themselves? The everyone's, everyone's most hated publisher the of all show publishers? is canceled. Yeah, I mean, it's not your most hated publisher, but... <gasps> I mean, close. they killed Star Wars. <laughs> EA is Satan incarnate. 
Yeah, basically. So, but but <laughs> what I will say about EA, and this is early on, so but they they seem to be taking the business model more of like what Riot does with League of Legends, or even what Capcom did with Street Fighter Five when they kind of revamped it. Is that yes, there's these characters coming out, and yes, you can buy them with money, but you can earn everything in game if you want to spend the time doing it. Also. Respawns come out and said there is nothing here that you can buy that is going to be pay to win. It's all cosmetic. I mean, the only thing you have technically is if someone buys these two extra classes, they have different abilities. They're not stronger per se, but they are technically an ability that you don't have access to if you haven't earned it yet or bought it. So, but beyond that, it's all skins, cosmetics, dances, period. So, that's interesting to me because I think uh, even League, to an extent, um, you can't win a skin or you can't earn a skin. You have to buy it, right? So, I mean, even – and I know there's there's a little bit of gray area, but you really, for the most part, it's hard to get a skin. But if you got really, 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 really lucky and played a lot of League – You can get some skins. And then was still really, really lucky to get the one in – 400 skins that you wanted. Yeah. I mean, you can do it. This, uh, you, It's true. There are ways to get some skins. It's not really built out that way. It's built out that way to earn champs and earn some, some other items. And then the one thing you usually drop some money on would be the cosmetic skins. But even here on this side of Apex Legends is that you're going to be able to earn these skins in a very Overwatch way. Um, with these loot boxes that kind of randomly drop items for you. So it, that, that's interesting. Um, they are going to have that Fortnite-style battle pass, which I think any battle, any battle royale that's c- coming out, if you don't have one, it's stupid. So um, it, it gives you that, even, even as the game kind of gets maybe a little stale or just a little repetitive, you get that battle pass that really starts to drive you towards something where like there's that certain level that there's a drop that you personally want, right? So uh, that's that's been my biggest thing that I've really enjoyed with uh, Call of Duty Blackout, or sorry, Call of Duty's battle pass that works across all of their um, different modes is that I'll be working towards a skin or towards a gun or something like that that I want, keeps me playing, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. We watched, we watched the trailer. We watched some of the gameplay. And I was surprised. You know, I'm going to bring you guys in here now. I was surprised at, at Deadite's reaction because you are not a fan of Fortnite. You, nope. ha- you have no interest in Blackout. Nope. You never had an interest in PUBG. And, and I guess let me back up. You played Fortnite and hated it. So there you go. It wasn't fun. So when you saw this gameplay and when you saw the trailer and stuff, your what was your reaction? Well, the the first thing I saw that you know tickled my fancy a little bit mm. was uh, it has a cell shaded look, and I'm a huge Borderlands fan. So right there, it played to an aesthetic that I enjoy looking at. I have good memories associated with playing a uh, cell shaded shooter. It's a first person shooter. I didn't really care for Fortnite being in the third person. It's something that I, I just don't like playing that as much. Even when I play Battlefront, um, I a lot of times switch into first person mode because I'm more comfortable with that. Uh, and we've talked about that 
it's sort of in the realm of Titanfall. It's built off Titanfall. And I did play a few hours of Titanfall 2 and enjoyed it. I like the slide mechanics. I like the wall jumping. And, you know, I thought it was a smooth and, and well put together shooter. So th- those aspects combined with the fact that, you know, there is a class system, there is supers, it feels a little bit more like Overwatch in some regards. It just seems like a game that I'm more inclined to have on my system. And when I see my friends playing, hop in and play, opposed to Fortnite. Well, I don't want to build walls. It's stupid. Like, not interested. Call of Duty, I want to I wanna buy slash play Call of Duty. This is a game that is a, is a free-to-play game that had enough going for it that appeals to things I like in shooters to get me to at least download it and try playing it. Yeah, and you bring up a good point with uh, the first-person aspect, which was something that I really gravitated towards in uh, Call of Duty The for Blackout is... Unless you were riding a vehicle, you were in that first-person view, which is which was perfect, because um, it did. It, it felt more like Destiny. It felt more like you know, um, like the games I like to play that were more of a standard shooter, but got to also enjoy the battle royale side of it. And so, that part of it's cool. Um, and you, and I don't want to say unique because there are other options out there, but it's not as common or it's not it's not as popular when you're when you're comparing it to uh the king that is Fortnite. so um test you also watched uh the, the same stuff and what, what was your take on on this announcement today well you can tell that they're going right for the throat for at least a, a initial exposure um from you know the king Fortnite because respawn or ea whoever paid for this this trial i mean these guys have there's people out there that have played this game for you know for a week now and it's your big time streamers your dr disrespect shroud courage jd tsm day like all these guys not only have played it but they're pushing it so so they've spent some money they i mean respawn or ea have spent some money in getting some of these very prolific fortnite players off and and they're all playing they're all playing uh uh what is this game called again apex, apex legends. legends they're all playing apex legends today we looked on twitch before we went well, let's look at some gameplay they've got double the people are watching apex legends right now that are watching fortnite because all of the big streamers are playing apex legends so off the bat you can tell i mean this is the new way of, of advertising your game right you can put a commercial out on tv you can put a poster up at gamestop but if you want to get exposure from people that'll buy and play your games you get where they're watching it which is on twitch right you're you're, that's that's where they're going so good on respawn or ea whoever's idea it was to get these people off of fortnite for at least 24 hours to hype up their game now for me it looks something i'm I'm extremely interested in like i'll i'll go home and i will download it tonight and maybe get a match or two in you know no one was playing call of duty uh on pc but um, had they been, I probably would have gotten to that. I I like the the boots on the ground. I like the little bit more realistic shooter, um, but I also like that you get a little bit of a uh, of creative freedom with this one, where it's not like this is war at this time frame. Here's everything historically accurate. You get to play a little bit. There were energy shields. There were people teleporting. It kind of gave me an yeah Overwatched kind of a team fortress. It had a little bit of like. If it made like like a, a MOBA feel to it, because you are working on a team comp out of eight characters, 
and then you're going against 57 other ones where, you know, are there healer units? I don't know how the game works, but like, is it going to be like, oh, you got to go for the healer. Oh, there's the DPS. Oh, you know, it's going to be strategy based. It's not just going to be like, I see someone, I shoot them, they're dead, let's loot them. You know, there is going to be more to do with it. And I don't, did you cover the revive mechanic? Not yet. No, you go for it. So uh, one thing that, you know, I read and Grimlock was talking about is so similar to other Battle Royale games, if, you know, we're on a squad of three and I get gunned down, you know, obviously my team can react, you know, stop the aggressor and then pick me up. One step further, though, if I get completely killed, then I drop some sort of a token and my team can can take that token to certain revive points on the map and actually bring me back into the game. Granted, I lose all of my loot and any progress I had from that round, but it gives it's not like, oh, we're playing with a squad of four. We landed. I got killed. Well, I guess I'm going to sit here and wait for 40 minutes while my team makes a, a you know thing. Or, oh, I'm dead, so let's back out and redo it. It's not It's not like that. If you're good enough, clear the area, stop the, you know, stop the aggressors, and then go revive me. It's it's a nice mechanic that it's, it's the same way that when we play Smash Brothers, couch co-op, where we're so much more likely to play time instead of stock. Because the last thing you want to do is get a game, have the controller in your hands, and die in three minutes and go, oh, I guess I've got ten minutes of sitting here doing nothing while my friends finish having fun. And that's a that's a rampant problem with with Battle Royale. Is that you have the you know someone die right dies right out the gate and they and sometimes you don't stick around right you're like you back out of the game and then you're like all right I'm gonna go feed the dogs or eat dinner and I'll see you guys next round or whatever it's it's uh, it's a known issue and like you said on the other side of it if you're playing squads you lose somebody let's and let's say it's one of your one of your people carrying you everybody gets to a high place or they find a grenade and they just eat it. And like that's like as a game as a company or as a developer, that's not how you want people to play your game at the same time. So when you're watching like, oh, there's 80 people. Oh, nope, there's seven. Oh, nope, there's 30 people because a bunch of people just jumped off a cliff because they couldn't get out of the first drop with their team. This is there's an incentive now to stay and watch your team and also have a chance to get back in the game. I I really like this idea. You know, I have some questions about it. I'm curious to see how it works, but but the initial idea to me is really cool. It's like playing dodgeball when you're a kid. Yeah, you're sitting over on the sidelines, hoping that hero kid can you know make the basket or whatever. You catch the ball, whatever you had to do to get back in. It's the same idea that it gives you that excitement, that hope that you're going to get to return to the game. But Grimlock, since there's no solo mode, I feel like if I want to play by myself, I'm going to get queued up with two randoms online. The last thing I want to do is get into a squad of three, jump out of this plane, and get separated from my team. That doesn't sound like a fun time. Yeah, and so that's another thing that they've tried to address here is that um, another issue with with uh, the Battle Royale is you get a lot of people that drop in on a squad and they, they just bail off once because they want to play solo and they want to and they want to try to get as many kills as possible and it's just that's not again not the way the game the way they designed that mode to be played so this time you drop as a three man team and one person controls your drop so you have basically your captain and he controls your drop for all three people now mind you when you hit the ground if someone's going to run away from you they're going to run away from you you know like that's that, that is what it is, but at least you know that you're dropping in the same vicinity. So if you wanted to follow that person and kind of stick stick with them, you could. So it really they really like 
emphasize on stick together, play as a team. And when you watch some of the best, like we were, um, you can see how they flank using these abilities and how they team up and really take out other squads. And, you know, and it's cool. Like when you take a full squad out, you hear like the announcer be like full squad eliminated. And like, and um, they took a, they took a page out of, out of League of Legends, when it was uh, the first the first kill of the game, you get that first kill alert and all this stuff. So there's there seems to be some unique fun aspects to this game right right away that you notice from the cell shading to the sliding and and wall running to uh, just some of the announcers having you know having some fun with it. Um, the weapons look cool. The weapons look yeah you, interesting. They don't look. Uh, they're more interesting than Fortnite weapons, but they're less over the top than yeah. like a sci-fi shooter. And they didn't seem like it was too much. Like, um, I, mean, I forgot the name of the battle royale that was on PC. Um, but is it the Cliffy B one? No, 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 not Outlaws. <laughs> uh, I, I will not remember it. But there was another game that I beta tested, and it was too much. Right, like you, you had got a gun, and it was like it had thirty-two attachments that you could put on it. And it's like I just. It was too much. It was like, oh, you want armor? Well, you got to get chest armor, head armor, leg armor. And I was just like, no, I just want to find armor. Like, you know, like maybe have different levels of armor, but don't make me go find different pieces of armor. So the, this looked really cool. And, and it looked simple enough, but also, um, as Tess was putting it, there's enough strategy to it where you felt like, yes, you could have a team that made a difference. You could ha- You would have weaponry that would make a difference. And so... Um, I'm very excited to get into it later on today. Uh, I'm only basing all of this, these comments off of what I've off of the announcement trailers, the 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 reveal, and then watching some of these top streamers play it. Since we're we're undoubtedly at least two of us, oh maybe actually probably all three of us will have something to say about Apex Legends next week. I think a safe stance to take right now, having not played it at all, is that. You know, in a world where there didn't seem like there was any more room for another battle royale game, somehow respawn made something worth talking about, and and I think that that speaks highly of what they were able to do. Um, and I just hope it comes to Switch eventually. Especially considering others have come out before this that have really fallen flat. So where you kind of already felt like, uh oh, this market is super saturated. But we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll be uh, we'll be gaming. I think um, I'll probably be playing on whatever platform I find friends on. So if you're listening to this and part of the community on the Discord, uh, and you would like to uh, team up, find find any of us. Our gamer tags are on the website gameslamedia.com, and uh, we'll get some rounds in. I'm gonna really try to get online and play with some people this week. It's been it's been a minute. I'm gonna really try to play this game with some people on PlayStation. I'll see you on PC. I don't think my computer can handle this. I will play PC and PlayStation at the same time. It'll be very bad, but I'll do it. You're still better than me. That's tr- You're not wrong. <laughs> Topic <laughs> number four. Microsoft has... I don't even know what they're doing at this point. I really don't understand them. They're crazy. They're, they're like the crazy mad scientist at this point, and I love it. <laughs> Microsoft is preparing to bring Xbox Live to iOS, Android, and Nintendo Switch. What does that even mean? (laughs) I'm like, wait, let me read this again. Because I feel like 
It wasn't that long ago when we were complaining about Nintendo Online, and I was like, you know what, Nintendo? Just go. You're already friends with Microsoft. Just use their platform. And now Microsoft's like, hey, here, here's our platform. And like, I'm sitting back, like, okay. Um, now that it's happening, I don't know. I don't. What is it? What am I supposed to do right now? What, I what am I supposed to do right now? I need to know. Help. Well, before before we get too deep into what they're saying, here's a real practical example of how this is kind of already in play. Yeah. So rather you're playing Minecraft on PC, on Xbox, on phone, or on Nintendo Switch, you sign into a Microsoft account. Now, granted, you don't need Xbox Live as far as the paid subscription to play on phone or PC or Switch, but you still sign in to this Microsoft account. And believe it, once I signed in, I had my Nintendo Switch friends. I had my Xbox Live friends. I was getting achievements and everything was hunky-dory. Um, so it's kind of in place right now, but it looks like, and as, as you'll talk about, that they're actually preparing to launch a software dev kit for anybody. Yeah. And I think the big thing here is um, we we are seeing them set themselves up for what they have already announced, which I forgot the name of it, if it's xCloud or whatever they're calling it, but their, their service that they're talking about next gen here where you're going to be able to play their games on pretty much any device. So... This is that other step that I could grab an iPhone, I could grab an Android phone, I could even grab a Nintendo Switch and technically play Halo? I don't think we're getting that far. Are we, though? It seems like they're really targeting third-party devs right now. I, I understand that. Though Microsoft kind of... Uh, I was saying Minecraft, Minecraft, Minecraft is theirs. And when you think about them putting, putting Live out there and giving them a dev kit where, let's say... Like you said, um, third-party third party developers can do a lot with it. At the same time, they're building an infrastructure for, the, for themselves as well. And to me, when you start pushing around your cloud gaming service and Phil Spencer's coming out there saying you, you're going to be able to play our, our games without an Xbox, I mean, that was kind of the whole point. Well, then why can't I play your game on an Android phone? Right, like I think the push here is like, let's go look at Fortnite again. I can play Fortnite anywhere, on my phone, to my Switch, to a, count, a console or a PC, right? And so that has changed how people are playing the playing that game. And I and I think everyone has taken a, t uh, I mean, not a, I know everyone's been paying attention because of the money that Epic has made. And so if a game like Halo, where I feel like is currently in its, the worst state that it's ever been, if I could build, rebuild Halo's image and then give, it, give people access to it through my Xbox service still, so it's still branded somewhat in the Microsoft realm, and it's still a Microsoft IP, I'm just now able to play it on the go and then go home and maybe throw it on my Xbox to get the best experience. But at the same time, if I'm at work and I can play Halo on my Switch, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, the great thing is, this is them introducing crossplay without having to introduce crossplay, right? So the biggest issue with, let's say, Fortnite, for instance, right? It was getting PlayStation Now or PlayStation Plus 
not necessarily PlayStation. It was getting uh, PlayStation Network. It was getting the PlayStation yeah. Network communicating with the Xbox Network and printing, you know, everybody communicating with one another. That no longer becomes an issue if Xbox is like, no, no, no. Everybody just come onto this network yeah. where now all your devices can talk to each other because now you're cross play via the the environment you're going into, not trying to take a bunch of different environments and bringing them into the same realm. Like Microsoft is 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 opening the door for crossplay that doesn't need support of multiple different online services. Like, no, 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 just use ours. We don't care how you get to this, to this server, to this realm, to this environment. Just get here however you'd like, and then and then there you go. You're you're crossplaying. I, th- I think it'll be similar potentially to when you play an Ubisoft game and you have to sign in with your Ubisoft account that you don't want to have. I love my Ubisoft account. <laughs> it'd be, it, But it'd be a similar thing. Like, you, this game requires this Xbox account. And like you're saying, it instantly gives you the ability to cross-play. cross-play it gives you achievements. And it's just, you know, it, let's say a developer just wants to develop on that platform. It expands it and it circumvents uh, some of the, you know, party lines. So I... I, I yes, I believe that, but I think this is it's going to go well beyond that because if you go look at the Xbox app that exists right now on an iPhone or Android, it is light years superior to any to PlayStation's to Nintendo's. Nintendo has an app. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's called but, voice chat and Splatoon store. But the things you can do with the Xbox app is is a, is super impressive. And if they're going to build off that, like does like think of simple things like okay, if I'm on my Switch now and I'm signed into my Xbox Live account, does that mean I can use Xbox Live chat functionality? Do I not even need my phone app for Nintendo? You know, and I can just as long as my other friends have that, we can just build an Xbox Live party chat because we're all logged in but maybe we can still go play smash brothers is that going to be possible now here's my here's my question of where i don't understand how this works let's say halo is a thing that you're going to be able to do on your switch and it's a microsoft game and the only reason the only way you're technically playing it is you paid for xbox live you have you have the app downloaded to the switch and you're streaming Halo to your Switch, similar to how you tried to stream, was it Resident Evil 7? No, it was uh, Assassin's Creed. Assassin's Creed, sorry, Assassin's Creed um, from Japan, and it was really, really bad. But it's that same idea, right? Cloud gaming that's just being pushed to your screen. Where does where's Nintendo's cut in that? Why? So, like, at me as Nintendo, opening my door to say, yeah, put your app here, there's got to, and that app is free, right? Because, so... So how do I, Nintendo, make money off of you for allowing you to push Halo to the Switch? Well, that's why I still think it's going to remain in a third-party realm. I don't think unless Microsoft's willing to make Halo for the Switch as a game you can buy, right. that's why I think it's going to stay mostly third-party, and it just literally gives you a place to go once you once you're on once I load up paladins right it's a free-to-play game so it's a you know not a bad example i load up paladins and i can rather just connect online normal or i can you know they they integrate this you know whatever they're calling it the the xbox whatever i connect to the live dev kit section of it and now all of a sudden i see my xbox live friends and i can play on xbox live i don't think we're gonna get 
like an Xbox experience app out of the whole thing. I think once you're in the game that becomes available, you know, via whatever developer wants to enable this and, and work to build this in there, once you're in that game environment, then you'll have the access. Well, you can take this path to online or you can take the Xbox Live path mm-hmm. to online to where now all of a sudden you're seeing everybody else who's on PC, phone, Xbox, or Switch who's also taking that avenue. I don't think it's going to be something like a an Xbox experience anywhere so in a way you in a way it's similar to what epic has done with allowing their multiplayer uh dev kit to others right it is is that you can use this tool to build or to build around your game um but but in the end it's really that third party that's making those decisions and so there's still the cartridge being made for the switch or or whatever or whatever the product is the, the smart thing about this is it, it's Microsoft's opportunity to monetize crossplay in a way that no one else has yet. Because if you're a Nintendo Switch owner, you have no reason to own, I mean, to have an Xbox Live account, except for the fact that if it opens up crossplay to all these other platforms, well, that's a reason to have it right there. And for Nintendo to support it, if that's what your player base wants, you know, let's say you or maybe you have to have Nintendo online to use the xbox live on your switch but if it if it it gives nintendo i mean it gives microsoft an opportunity to make money off something that everyone already wants it's also it opens up to a new player base like i'm a i'm a switch owner i wouldn't have that otherwise right i think it's also another opportunity or not i think it really is the next opportunity for nintendo microsoft and even mobile platforms now to kind of push sony into this weird corner again, right? Is that we saw it with, with, uh, started with Fortnite, is that they all kind of teamed up and were like, yeah, we're going to open the doors. We're going to allow this cross play. And then we talked about Rocket League. And Sony was always that one that was like, no, 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 until they kind of really got pushed. And finally they were like, okay, we're going to do it too. And now we're kind of looking at this weird platform that primarily Microsoft and, um, and Nintendo are making for each other is this shared world. And I don't mean in the sense of like you're never you're not gonna play Mario on an Xbox. And and Test is probably right. Maybe you're not gonna play Halo on a on a Switch. But at the same time, the way that you're cooperating and allowing this uh, ability to build this this ecosystem that that will allow future games to just come out the gate crossplay. To just come out the gate ready to go. Um Sony's not necessarily on board because, I, like, they're not listed in this article. In, in this article, because Sony is not going to let Xbox Live as an option on their PlayStation. I mean, that that doesn't. For once, I would sit there and look at Sony and be like, it doesn't make sense to allow that to happen. Um, but yet here on the other side, you're kind of building this this like free world versus container over here and. It's going to be interesting, especially moving into this E3 and and really starting to analyze how this next generation is going to start to look because I think we are going to get a glimpse at what um, Microsoft is doing with the next Xbox. And, and we've already had rumors. We talked earlier in this episode about some things going on with the PS5. So, like, it's right here on the doorstep. And we're about to watch, I think, two giant companies really start to 
continue to change the, how we game. And that was the big thing in 2018 was Fortnite and, and companies like Nintendo and Microsoft really just changing the way thing the the way the standard was i mean walls used to be walls and we understood it and we accepted it and now every time a game comes out one of the questions are like apex legends we were like is it crossplay compatible because that's a big it's a big thing now it's a selling point to so many people at this at this point it's expected almost at this point so um this is going to be interesting and we're going to see this is this is we're going to see this at E3. We're going to get details and it's either going to be bigger than we than we could have possibly imagined or it's going to be more more just basic stuff to start like you like Tess was saying and and build from there. But we- we actually should get some information about this at the end of March. This is something yep. that's all been not maybe not leaked, but been uh, pre-talked about for the game developer conference, which is I think it's the last weekend in March. So we should hear it. We should know, have an idea of what this impact truly will be in some sort of a timeline and some sort of a capacity before March is even open over. So yeah, I think I think my my prediction is obviously they have talked about the expected announcement of this piece. And then I think E3, we see them tie it back into their next gen and start to show off their cloud service that they've already talked about and really hyped up, but we haven't really seen um, or, or gotten more details on, and the, the future Xbox. So, and that, and that just, you know, to close this, this topic off, that leads into Phil Spencer's uh, comment that um, this is going to be the as big as we've ever been at E3 um, this year in 2019 when, of course, we all know Sony's not going to be there. So this is an interesting shift because I feel like these are the years, right? Like if you go back to the generation we're in right now, if you go back to uh, when they announced it all, this is the time where power shift can happen so easily by just misspeaking. Microsoft learned that the hard way by making some bad decisions and trying to stick to their guns on stage and shooting themselves in the foot. And they've climbed their way back and done a really good job. And now they have an opportunity in front of them to really just go off and not have any, any competition to stop them. And that's uh that's kind of scary when Sony's like, oh, well, we'll just have our own show over here. It's like, right, but, you know, too little, too late type deal. Hopefully hopefully, you could pull out all the stops too because if Microsoft's going to change the game, I'm going to look at you and go, okay, how are you going to change the game? And when you don't and you just go with the status quo, I'm going to be a day one Xbox buyer and maybe not a day one PlayStation. You know, maybe not me. I buy everything. But, but your typical gamer that makes a choice. Maybe me. Maybe I'll finally I bought go a, Xbox. I bought a PS4 because of the way Xbox handled. Because I was an Xbox 360 fan. I was not a huge PS3 guy. This is true. I bought a I bought a PS4 because of the way Xbox tried to handle uh, D, uh, DRM or whatever. Uh, basically, not being able to share games and and when you put a game in your system, the license like locks to that system. I just was like, no, I'm not. I I don't feel comfortable with this. And it got me really turned off by the system. And then Sony walked out. And this is what I mean by a power shift. 
They walked out and they go, we're going to show you how you can share a game on the PS4. And they just, two guys walked out, they handed, they handed a case from one guy to the other and said, that's how you share a PS4 game. And I was like, Sony just sucker punched Microsoft on stage and I loved it. And I ordered a PS4 right there. It was the next day I pre-ordered it. That's the type of sh stuff that can happen. And Sony's not, Sony's not even going to be there to compete. So it'll be interesting. You can't lose if you don't show up. <laughs> You're not wrong, but maybe you are. That <laughs> was our attack on the news. For these topics and much more, visit GameZillaMedia.com and continue the conversation in our Discord. You just go to GameZillaMedia.com, right on the homepage, click that Discord button, talk with gamers from around the world every day for free. Do it. It's fun. We do it every day. We need more people to talk to because I'm tired of talking to test. It can get annoying real quickly. <laughs> Shocking, actually. Dead Eye, if current gaming is not your thing, what else can uh, can people do? You can listen to The Legend of Retro Podcast, also available at GameZillaMedia.com and all the other great platforms that you listen to this podcast, including Spotify. I just like to mention we're on Spotify because that feels cool to me. Did you know that we are on Spotify? What? We're on Spotify? It happened. <laughs> what about, what if you like tabletop gaming and fantasy and shit? I don't, no one does, so... Oh, okay. Noobs and Dragons. It's a thing. It's uh, one of our up-and-coming shows, Noobs and Dragons, up-and-coming by, what, 60 episodes now? Yeah. I forgot. I, I, I'm in it. It's I'm, been rough I'm in it so, I'm so into it that I like don't realize how long the campaign's been. But anyways, if you like Dungeons and Dragons, we have a show called Noobs and Dragons where three noobs, myself included, are being drugged through an adventure led by our dungeon master... Craig WK, he's an asshole, and people love him for it. Maybe not me, but... I know. do. I know you do. Most people do. He's, he's put on a great story. Don't get me wrong. The world, the story is fantastic. He just put me with two people that, unfortunately, I want to murder him by, by the time this campaign's over. I think I'm the bad guy. Maybe that's what's happening here. I've always thought you were the bad guy. Mm, true. That's true. That's fair. Then we've got the media aspect of GameZilla Media, where we've got two different movie podcast with the last action podcast which is going to cover action movies in a high intensity and vulgar environment and then you've got the movie blast with bob and bax which watches movies so you don't have to that's your kind of show because you're not a movie guy i like when people watch movies so i don't have to <laughs> i like anytime i don't have to watch a movie so and lastly the newest podcast dot com is a show called Noiseland Arcade. It's another show featuring Craig WK as he and his co-host walk you through every single episode of the greatest show in the history of television, The Simpsons. So that uh, new new episodes release for that on Sunday. So go subscribe to Noiseland Arcade. It, you get a nice cultural slash historic slash uh, beat by beat breakdown of what happens in each of these episodes of The Simpsons. So they're obviously they're in they're in season one right now. So um, I don't enjoy some Noiseland Arcade. Yeah, and again, all of these podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever it is you listen. They're there. Take a take a time to download it. And uh, help us out. Hit that uh, hit that subscribe button. All right. So news is done. Uh, we've plugged the other shows. That means uh, that's it, right? Show's over. I just I just feel like I haven't had enough time to talk about what's happening with me in my heart in my life. Do we got a button for that? Oh, maybe we can bring a song 
that's long departed this world. Oh no. Yeah, time for that Zilla update. This Zilla update, aka Team Talk. We moved it. That's right. You get the news. You get you get that. You get fed, and now you get the dessert. Yeah. So if you actually like us, if you actually care about us, you're still listening, and now you get to get a little. Uh, we get to, we get to get a little personal. Okay. So Zilla update is what Speak, we're going to call speaking it. Speaking personal. Grim, we're here to have an intervention. Mm, okay. Oh, now I got nothing to intervene this week. Some weeks I do. This week I got nothing. I mean, let's be honest. You probably have five things off the top of your head you could list, like PlayStation VR, Ace Combat Seven. No, no this those port. Were fine. Those were all port purchase decisions. But it's okay. I'm just throwing myself under the bus. I'll stop. No, yeah. I'll, don't worry. I'll come up with things to intervene about in the near future. A- I'll, actually, I'll Apex, get to- You might as well throw Apex Legends in there because you know I'm going to go hard on it to and the point th- where- And three systems yeah, at the same yeah, time. Yeah. I'm, I'm level one everywhere. Yeah. I- I'm going to prepare some special intervention music <laughs> okay, good. for the future yeah, when things get out of hand. That's smart. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Zilla Update is going to be uh, an interesting hybrid. We're going to give it a go here. Uh, our very first time. We're trying new things. Trying new things. So it's just uh we're gonna go we're gonna start with Deadite. And it's not necessarily that gaming moment of the week anymore. We're gonna we're gonna just have a moment. So go for it. Let's see how let's see how this goes. So mine is going to be something that I've I've always thought in my mind was something I knew I would enjoy doing, and this week I finally got to do it. Oh, heroin. Um, I've been doing that for years. How oh, do you think okay. I? How do you think I keep so mellow on this show? That's fair. It's the heroin. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I had the the fun time of being able to teach my four year old nephew about the Nintendo Entertainment System. So my, you know, like my nephew's four, he doesn't really have video games at home. His dad will play Tetris like on Roku. That's about the most exposure he gets to video games. So he comes over to my house and he knows that I have video games. So. I went out because we were we were watching him because he was having a sister that was being born. So we had a couple days with with four year old Brody, and I went out to the local video game store and I bought the ch- most childish NES games available. I bought Sesame Street Counting, Sesame Street ABCs, and Earthbound. No, I would not subject a child to have to play that game. Wall Street Kid. <laughs> Wall Street Kid. Grim legit tried to give me his copy of Wall Street Kid to make my four-year-old it has nephew the word play. Kid in it. I don't I hate it. Was perfect. I don't hate my nephew. I'm not going to make him play Wall Street Kid. Wall Street Kid's great. I was talking about. And I got a Fisher Price price matching game. So we we had the Retron Five hooked up. We we got Brody rocking and rolling. And what I found out really quickly is the Sesame Street games were even skewed a little too young for a four-year-old. Hmm. He was I mean, like, I still play them, but well, they, they they're fit, hard. They fit my skill level. I'm really bad at the one where you have to count little aliens in the sky. Counting's hard. So uh, he liked he liked the Fisher Price match game. He liked the Fisher Price fire rescue game that I had as a child. But uh, instantly he's like, I want to try other games. He goes and pulls like Batman on the Game Boy out. I'm like, all right, let's see how this goes. And in the Retron 5, it has built-in Game Genie cheats. So I went and threw on, like, Invincibility and that sort of stuff so he didn't get as frustrated. But, like, it was really cool to watch him try to figure out how a controller works. Because I feel like we quickly were acclimated controllers when we were kids. Well, kids these days have touchscreens. So watching him try to, like, look down at the controller and figure out, you know, what B and A was doing. But once once 
you saw that spark in his eye when he jumped over one of the bad guys and then shot the next one. It like that click. It was like, oh man, he's getting it. He also was really into F1 racing on the Game Boy. That's a good game. Yeah, just it, it, like that was a simple racing game. The kid really likes cars. Like, what four year old boy doesn't like cars? You know, so he was super into it. And you know, he was. You could see when he's getting those turns and not hitting like the signs on the side of the road, like him just like lighting up. And it was just really cool to see a kid get get their first experience of what video games is in the same realm that we really did, which was on the NES. Because I feel like a lot of kids these days, they're going to hop right into like, I want to play Fortnite or I want to play like whatever I see my dad or my older brothers playing. Right. But because my nephew isn't really exposed to video games in that way, I actually had the opportunity to be like, these are what video games were to me when I was a kid. And it, it was just, it was a nice like special memory that I'm always going to be able to have with him. And also at the same time, Entertaining a four-year-old is exhausting, as I found out. Oh, yeah. So handing him a controller and just being able to sit there and watch him play for, like, 45 minutes straight, where all I had to do was change out the games for him. It was like heroin. It, <laughs> I just was able to mellow out, man, and it was really good. I passed out for, like, an hour and a half, and he was just gaming. No, so Woke up. He was gone. <laughs> he, he was gone. The house was on fire. So, so that, you know, I didn't actually get to play a lot of video games this week because I was entertaining a four-year-old but it, it it was something that i i was always hopeful that like as an uncle i'd be able to expose him to video games and um was able to do that and you know it, it was one of those things that you know i look forward to be able to teach other video games be it maybe the little sister he just uh, acquired in the last week maybe someday uncle ethan will be able to get her to play counting games and they won't be boring for her there you go all right testonomics i'd like to talk about wargroove what's wargroove Wargroove, if those of you that were following the Nintendo Switch scene, was one of the first, was was in the first Nindies presentation, and it looked like Advanced Wars. It looked like a spiritual successor, that grid-based, turn-based war game with different units and different commanders, and it just looked awesome. But then it got lost in development hell, and it was delayed, and we weren't hearing anything about it, and it was delayed well, it finally came out last Friday, and though I haven't played as much of it as I would have liked, this weekend I was like, I want a game, but I don't feel like gaming, so I'm just going to watch Twitch all weekend. But when I did get I probably put maybe three hours, four hours into Wargroove, at, or Wargroove and I love it. It's so good. It's so clean. It's so polished. You can see that, uh, and I always forget the name. Is it is it Chucklefish? Chucklefish. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the creators of Stardew Valley. Um, and probably They're the publisher. The publisher. Valley. Yeah, we don't, we don't get into a publisher conversation here. We don't know the P word. It's about EA. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. So uh, it came out and it has been such a wild success that uh, just today on the Wargroove dev blog, they, they said, we want to you know say how humbled we are and thankful um, for the launch weekend. They've already covered the cost of development with the sales. Now, this came out on PC, Xbox, I'm sure PS4. No. Not PS4. I don't believe so. Because I know it was cross-play at launch for PC, Xbox, and Switch. I just didn't expect PS4 to be in the mix. So I guess I don't know if it actually came out for PS4 or not. I can confirm it's on everything but PS4. I don't I don't know about PS4. Uh, Google. Okay. So in any case, I mean, I, I played it. It just, it. you can tell... You can tell why it was delayed, or you can see that the devs really wanted to make this game 
like as good as possible and they delivered and not only did they deliver but they've already come out and said hey we've already worked on the patch we've got this really short-term patch that's going to fix just a couple little issues we found where we also have some quality of life improvements also we've got some long-term goals we'd like to share with you including free dlc and like just supporting the hell out of this game um, and then they even asked, we're also asking for some questions. How do you feel about the difficulty here? How do you feel about the star earning system? Like they want to make this game the absolute best it can be. And I feel like that's real admirable because you don't see a lot of devs saying not only a, well, a, they got every sale that they were hoping to get. Cause I mean, they're at break even after three days of being for sale, that's crazy. you know, and they're at break even. There was so much. So I, I love to see that there was so much anticipation behind this game that they were able to sell enough stuff and break even. But it's also just getting rave re- reviews. So it's not like a bunch of people went out to buy this highly anticipated game and then realize that it's not what they wanted. Kind of like a Destiny Two review, like launch, and it's like, hey, oh, No this, Man's Sky, right? Or No Man's Sky, like, oh my god, this this isn't what I wanted at all. This is exactly what people thought it was going to be. It's exactly what uh, they promised it was going to be. And, and they're benefiting because of it, which then means, you know, we're going to have happy devs, happy gamers, and this is going to be one of those games that I can see is supported for quite some time. The PlayStation 4 release is coming at a later date sometime in 2019. They don't have a hard date on when Wargroove wow. hit the PS4. Probably because they wouldn't participate in crossplay because it was a big thing is they wanted to have crossplay at launch, and they do between Xbox One, Switch, and PC is full crossplay for the multiplayer because we didn't even get into that, and I'm not going to dig too deep into it, but it's the multiplayer, there's create-your-own maps, there's create-your-own cutscenes, there's create-your-own story. Like, the, the arcade, there's already a couple different modes in the game. There's an arcade mode, there's a, a campaign mode, there's just like a survival Survival mode. Like there's all these different things, and then it's like, oh, by the way, if you guys want to make more, go nuts, and you just go online and just download more campaigns, more maps. Like it's, it, it was done so well. I'm I'm so happy that the game. I've been waiting for it. I bought it as soon as it went available for preload, and it looks like it's going to be everything that I, as a strategy, like a strategy war gaming fiend, like it's everything I would have wanted. So it's real nice to see. Yeah, I mean my. Uh... My my week's been a little weird because I took Jade to Chicago for our late anniversary celebration. She, oh, the Big Apple. Yeah, yeah, the uh, yeah, that's it. Anyways, the city of lights. <sighs> I was gonna say the, the the land of a thousand lakes. Sin City. Yeah, yeah. The Motor all, City. All of those things. But no, um. So my 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 small thing would be Sea of Thieves and the resurgence that we've seen in this game. Um. Jazzy and I started playing it and having some fun, and but before we knew it, we had Ecto, we had um, the glitch, we had BMC. Uh, I believe Test is putting it back on his PC. Doge Lord has redownloaded it, so a lot of people coming back to the game now that they're seeing all of the new stuff that's been added to the game and a lot of the fun that we've been having, uh, and we've been streaming that and having some having some fun with it. But I'd say my my moment was. Um, I've never taken a train anywhere, and so uh, we took a train to Chicago, and that gave us some time where Jade and I had uh, took our switches, and you know obviously had our phones and stuff with us, and it was just it was such a like I hate flying even more now after this train ride. Not that you can take a train everywhere as easy as you can fly, but I feel like it was. Um, eye-opening to me of how nice it was where anything lo- like more close by to our Michigan base here, I will consider a train. Like I think you had talked about what's it like to take a train to PAX East, 
to Boston. And I will, I am like a hundred percent. I need to know, you know, the time, the, the cost and everything, because I will a hundred percent hop on a train and, and play the switch and just hang out with, with a couple members of the team or, and Jade or whoever goes, because it was a fun time. Get up, walk anytime you wanted, take, you know, take your shoes off, chill, recline back, sleep. But I really um, enjoyed the trip back because I, um, the timing fit well on a Sunday with League of Legends and the NALCS. And so I got to watch pretty much every game. I missed the very last game, um, which was okay because C9 lost and did not play well. So, but. I got to watch every other game. This was my first dose of like seriously watching this new season of Pro League and really starting to study what the meta is, seeing all the changes they made to the game um, and the things they've added. Uh, and it allowed me where I watched it and I, and I really enjoyed it. I was like, having, you know, it's always been something I've enjoyed to, to watch. Then I got home and Jazz is like, you want to play some games? I was like, honestly, man, I kind of want to play some League. He's like, really? Uh, okay, I'll fire it up, jump on League. And I tried to mimic what I watched, and I had the most successful night I've had in League in a long time where I went something like my first game I was 8-0, second game I was 8-2, and, and I went on a five-game winning streak just simply watching and kind of paying attention to a position that I care about and being like, oh, I see what they did there. I kind of understand why you would do this. And so I tried to just replicate some of it, and it, caught, it allowed me to outplay my opponent pretty, pretty easily. It, felt, it almost felt like I could instantly feel like, wow, I'm, I'm not struggling in CS because I did A, B, and C to protect myself and allow myself to stay in lane better and, and actually kill creeps. Um, so overall, that, that's, that was probably my moment was just being able to enjoy things and then go home and actually replicate it. I think that's one of the cool things about esports is yeah. you have the ability to watch and learn. I can't watch an NHL game and then go out and score goals like that. Right. I can't watch an NBA game and learn how to dunk. But you can watch esports and and learn a little bit about how to just play the game smarter, and then it enhances your experience playing the game. Hundred percent, and that that's uh that's been the best. This has been the best thing for me where and the reason why I'm back playing league is because of the NALCS and just pro level play. Um, because before that I would just get frustrated, had no idea what I was doing, and there was really nowhere to turn to figure that out. So yeah. There you have it. That's cool. That is a solid gaming moment of the week. So so you know, it, it's cool that you played league for, you know, a couple of days because it's dead now. You're an Apex guy. Yeah, it's over now. I mean, that, that was my gaming moment of last week. Now it's all Apex. We're, we're Apex guys. Even me, I'm going to be an Apex guy. You guys want to read some emails? Yeah. yeah. The FBI has just sent a letter to Games informing them that they have discovered new emails. Downloading emails from GameZillaMedia.com. All right, you can pose them with your fingertips or thumbs, and I will do my best to get through them 
with my simple understanding of the English language. It's time to read some emails. So if you want your questions answered here on the GameZilla podcast, email info at GameZillaMedia.com. And uh, time pending and, uh, you know, also quality of your questions will determine if your questions get read here on the GZP. So let's start off. We got a question from our friend BMC. Yo, boys. What's your guys' take on over-encumbrance? Is that a word? Man, you did it. Yeah. You did it. It's a word. Do you not know what over-encumbrance is? No. Really? No, I don't know what that means. I mean, I I would say on a daily basis, you are over-encumbered all the time. Is that like like eating too many cucumbers? Uh, I mean, I guess technically that's over cucumbrance. Yeah, yeah, I don't know that word. I know a lot of words. I don't know that one. I mean, have you ever played a game where if you pick up too many things, there's a penalty where it's like you could pick this up, but all of a sudden you move at half speed or you don't move at all. That sounds stupid. No, that that's what this is. It's stupid. That's a, so. It's a mechanic in games. Let, let, let me keep reading his question to try and. Oh, we're not honest. done yet. No, no, no there's oh, more of it. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, what is your take on over encumbrance? Uh, weapon slash gear decay. I know about that. It's like breaking stuff in uh, in Breath of the Wild. I understand what that means. Uh, eat, eating as not to starve. Horse maintenance. That sounds stupid. Or whatever chores you have to come across in gaming. Uh, I see that the game mechanic in some scenarios, but others it's quite annoying. Thanks and game on. I uh, I for the most part hate many of these things. Um, actually, this was the like uh, you bring up Breath of the Wild and the and the uh, weapons breaking. That was one thing that I was okay, I ended up being okay with, but it was my biggest concern of the game was like I don't want stuff to break, and so I think um, overcumbrance, uh, eating, stamina, all that type of stuff. I'm not a huge fan of it. It's something I never liked in Monster Hunter, and and um, I just. Um, I know there's been Bethesda games that I watch Jade play where it's like, no, oh, that's why he's asking. He's a Bethesda just, guy. Just let me pick this up and carry it type deal. I, the restriction thing, I get it from a like a realism standpoint, but that's just not me. I don't care about those things. It does that doesn't make the game better to me. I guess I find myself spending so much time doing inventory management in bethesda games because like i want to pick stuff up you know i want to get you know these arrows i want to get this clay pot i also want to get this sword and this extra helmet but then when it becomes it's almost like your weight in the game like how much you can carry becomes a mini game all in its own like oh well uh, this sword is only worth three times its weight and this gem is worth nine times its weight so is one sword or four gems what you know you, you start playing that game and like that's just unnecessary it takes away from the game because yes i get the realism and i shouldn't be able to pick up 17 swords and a hundred arm you know suits of armor like i get that because then you'd be able to go back and sell everything and money wouldn't be an issue so find maybe a different way to can, can i break this stuff down and and you know get half the value from breaking it down on this like find some way for me not to be like well guys and i remember when i was playing skyrim on stream i'm like well like i'd like to go to this next mission but first i need to not only do i have to go back to a town but i have to go to three different shops in order to sell everything because this person won't take this item and this person doesn't have enough gold to buy these things and i don't know this and i gotta go to my house to drop off these ores like it just becomes a a management system all on its own and i'd love to play a nice 
big open world game like Skyrim, and I don't have to worry about the inventory, which is kind of what Breath of the Wild did. It's like, yeah, you got to eat if you just want to heal. You have inventory limits for swords and shields and bows, but it's super favorable. You know, you can get plenty of both right off the get-go, and you can unlock dozens more. Like that's kind of more up my alley. I don't want to have to have a I don't want to have a mini game in the game of me staying alive or taking care of a horse. Yeah, and I think I think you're right. Breath of the Wild seemed to find that balance, that happy middle ground. But I think the other thing that bothers me about over encumbrance as an example with Bethesda is that you look at what you're carrying and you're like, there's no human being that could carry that anyways. <laughs> like yeah. this isn't realistic already. Just let me pick up the mace, you son of a bitch. Like and so to me it, yeah, I don't like the 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 management side of it. I just want to go slay dragons, pick up the new weapon, enjoy it, and and keep on cruising. And you know, I play plenty of games that restrict me. Like the, like I'm okay with restriction at some point. Like uh, battle royale games, we were just talking about them. You sh- yeah, you shouldn't be able to go and pick up every gun you find along the way, and all of a sudden you got thirty guns, and and fifteen of them are all assault rifles. Like yeah, no, you shouldn't be able to carry all that. Like there's you know, I have so many slots that I can run around and pick things up, and I have to make split second decisions on what I'm going to keep and what I'm going to leave when I when I run up to something like this. And so in that setting, I accept it to a point. But I don't know. I feel like these adventure games, they take it too extreme, too too serious. I don't want that in a game. I have enough of that in real life. I get exhausted and hungry just carrying the laundry basket from the basement to my, my bedroom. <laughs> like, I could easily starve to death on the stairs. So I don't need that in my gaming experience whatsoever. So BMC, I'm very anti that. So just just be aware. Our next question is coming in from the Brutish One. The Brutish One. Sup, fellas. Sup, Brutish One. Now that Test has added the moniker Face of the FGC to his already established GameZilla titles, will he be covering esports and the esports scene for the fighting enthusiasts that listen to this podcast? And he looks forward to, you know, the potential of you doing that. Well, I think, I mean, even, was it last week? Yeah, last week that I was talking about the uh, Red Bull, Red Bull, Red Bull, Ooh, Red Bull, the Red Bull, the Red Bull, the bird. What was that thing I was saying a few weeks ago? Bird Box? I don't know. Either way. <laughs> Hashtag Bird Box. Hashtag Bird Box. Um, I covered the Red Bull World Finals for Dragon Ball Fighter Z last week because it was, it was my gaming moment of the week, right? I got just, you know. I got so engrossed in watching it that I spent so much of my weekend doing it that I just had to talk about it. I think here on the show, since we're kind of segueing our our gaming moment of the week as to more like uh, what have we been doing, what are we looking forward to in gaming, that like I can very realistically see. I mean, I'm not interested in a lot of fighting games, but there's someone else here that very much will be watching the Mortal Kombat scene once this new game drops in, in Deadite. And, you know, the next world tournament or, or any Dragon Ball Fighter Z official stuff I catch my eye, I'll probably bring it up because I don't foresee myself not watching it. Um, I don't think we're ever going to get back to a traditional eSports segment just because it's not consistent news. Um, but, I, I mean, I'd gladly talk about it if I knew people wanted to. I mean, if there's more people out there like one that wants to hear more about what's good in the fighting game community, I'd be glad to talk about it as, as appropriate as it comes up something relevant. There you go. 
I just got my hand stuck in the table in between the table and chair like an idiot. Did um, it hurt? Yeah, it was more scary than painful. You looked scared. Yeah, I was very frightened because I've crushed my hand because I have it here on the side of the chair and I swing and I've definitely crushed my hand like three times today. Uh, yes, it's kind of like <laughs> it's kind of like when you stub your toe and you don't know if it hurt or you, you were scared or like a little kid that cries because they're scared. I'm I'm holding back tears right now. I just almost broke my own hand. So. Yeah, that's fair. Do it again. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, and uh, rounding out our our emails is a non-gaming related question from Sean Flack. Super appropriate. Yeah, you know, we're just trying trying to branch out a little bit. What do you mean non-gaming? Re- read this question. What's your most anticipated movie of the year, Sean Flack? That might not be super gaming related. <laughs> I feel I feel like I feel like there might be some better avenues for this question. Like I'm other, not sure like other podcasts, or like Maybe even that's a, it. a Discord chat, like a big group chat that might be able to be like, "Hey, Last Action Podcast, Hey, Movie Blast Podcast, <laughs> Hey, General Chat, Hey, Anime TV Movies Chat in the Discord." All right, now that we're done picking on <laughs> picking on them, I will answer this question though. I'll pick a a movie that's you know um, coming up sooner than later, and um um. Battle Angel is something I'm really excited for from James Cameron, uh, Alita or whatever, Battle Angel Alita. Um, that's something that Sci-Fi AJ and I are actually going to be, he's going to come into town and we're going to go see together. So that is what I'm looking forward to here in February, and I'm very excited. I think if, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to rattle off three quick ones because I'm not a movie person at all. And anybody who knows me knows that, but there are at least three movies that I will be seeing this year on launch, on release night or launch, whatever it's called in the stupid movie world. Uh, the new Star Wars movie, uh, Avengers Endgame, and Detective Pikachu. Oh, we're doing three movies now, huh? Yeah, I mean, t- Tess is Five. just going off. Battle Angel Alita, the new John Wick movie, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. I mean, I got to come up with three. That are different than the ones you guys said. I'm trying to think of a third movie. I can think of at least two. Captain Marvel. Toy Story 4. Captain Marvel and Toy Story 4 were the two I was going to say. Street Sharks, the movie. Don't even lie. No one said the Lego movie that comes out soon. Are you you excited for the new Lego movie? I'm kind of excited about the new Lego movie. Uh, Lego Batman kind of sucked. Yeah. So I'm I'm concerned. I'm holding this one to the level of the first Lego movie. The first Lego movie is awesome. Yeah, the Batman Lego movie is is its own thing almost to me. Did you see Lego Ninjago? That that doesn't count either. What about fighting fighting with my family? You know, I'm excited for fighting with my family, but also at the same time, it, fighting with my family is probably going to be awful. I'm going to see it. Is it out yet? No, it's out maybe in two weeks. Nice. I'll see it on launch day. I'd go with you. Okay. Nah, maybe we'll just wait for $5 Tuesday. Too late. Nah. It's in the recording. I'll, ba- I'll, back, out on a, I'll back out on a commitment pretty quick. <laughs> so, Sean, if you have more movie-related questions, you're, you're a Discord guy. Get in the Discord. Let's talk about movies in one of the three to four appropriate movie channels. But that's the emails we got in our in our little mailbag uh, here on the GameZilla podcast. Zilla update. <laughs> it's a Zilla update. How do people submit emails for us? If they want to submit an email, you can send it info at GameZillaMedia.com. All right. As a reminder, this podcast was brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash gamesillamedia to see everything we have to offer. And 
Don't forget, we have a YouTube channel. It is lit with Craig WK content, all sorts of uh, videos. Ooh, that was really loud. Wow. It's, yeah. it's that that's lit. How good, that's how lit that's, it is. That's how lit it is. It's how ill and fresh. We'll be bringing new videos to YouTube uh, thanks to Player One Miggy. <laughs> so uh, keep an eye out on Gamesville Media YouTube channel because it's going to be it's going to be exploding here with tons of new content. We've talked about it a lot in this episode. We have our own Discord community. What? If you're not familiar with what the Discord app or what Discord is, it's a, a dope chat app where... You dope know, as shit! Yeah, yeah, it's lean, dog! Um, <laughs> it's lead. You, you download it to your phone or computer, and then we have a ton of channels to talk about the various different things you want to talk about. You want to talk about PlayStation? We got a PlayStation channel. <gasps> you want to talk about Legend of Retro? <gasps> they got their own channel. Shit. There's a GameZilla channel. <laughs> There's a Nintendo channel. There's a Looking for Groups so you can find friends to play games with channel. So you want to play Apex? You want to play it on PlayStation? You take me at Deadite, and I'll be like, man, I'm probably just watching movies with my wife. <laughs> so I'll let you down. But get in our but go Discord. find Grim because that's all he does is play Apex now. <laughs> Download the Discord app Join the GameZilla Media Discord community, and there's a link directly to that at GameZillaMedia.com. And if you're more of the live content kind of person, you just jump over to, at this point, we got people on Mixer. We got people on Twitch. We got people on Facebook Gaming. We got people on Periscope. We got, we got hoes in different area codes. We got people on Tout. What would I <laughs> stop? Stop! You can't bring up tout on this show anymore. I don't. You can't talk about. Tout. So if you want to watch some streaming and you want to tout it out, tout is dead. <laughs> tout has been dead for six years. So realistically speaking, uh, we're working. But don't on forget about uStream. That's where Deadite streams. Now, in yeah, case yeah. you're wondering where he's because I can be a booby streamer. Then. So so, in, in the real talk of this in the streaming world, we're working on kind of ironing out some stuff. It's a little late into 2019 to still have the iron out, but we're trying to get a nice, consistent streaming message for you guys. In the meantime, jump on to gamesofthemedia.com, click that stream team link, and see who's live doing what. Or, once again, just check out the Discord. Everybody lets everybody know when we're going live and where we're going live at. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to episode 245 of the Games Little Podcast. We are your elite free DLC for all your gaming news. And until next time, game, game on. on. Don't you dare say tout again. <laughs> <laughs>